0: audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
1: Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go.
0: This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt.
1: Yes, we are in Episode 16 of Orange and Back Check. Great week for the Flyers, not just on the ice. Our favorite mascot, Gritty, was cleared of all charges. Get that out of the way now. I'm Bill Kornfeld, Scott Weinhart. How you doing, man?
0: Look, it I don't know how I'm doing. It's been a weird week. I mean, let's let's be real here. It's it's February, and it's 60 degrees outside. Feels like springtime. That's a strange thing. Um a, a yeah. Republican voted for impeachment today, which was really strange. Uh, you know, I'm not <laughs> going to go too deep in that rabbit hole uh, still. Uh, and then also, uh, Brian Elliott has two shutouts in three games. So that's the strangest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So
1: Of all the things that have happened this week, between a mascot possibly getting charged with a crime, the stuff that's going on in Washington, D.C., Brian Elliott shutting out two teams, no, I don't care how good those teams are. I just looked this up. You know what Detroit's goal differential this year is? Oh boy, you know what? I, I, you know. I, I
0: don't. I, no, I don't have it in front of me. Oh, I, I know they only have something twenty points. I think the problem is, and I'll go into more detail of it. But man, Detroit's got no offense. They just they don't have offense. I feel like they give up a decent amount of goals, but they have nobody who can score for them. I'll say they're minus. I'll say close to
1: hundred. They are. They're minus 96 on the year.
0: That's awful. That's absolutely awful.
1: The worst team in the West is the Los Angeles Kings with a minus 38.
0: That's – see, because they have decent offenses. Their their defense is not that good, and they're in a tough division, the Kings. But looking at Detroit's record, they're – 12 wins, 38 losses, 4 overtime losses. They have 28 points. I haven't seen a team perform that poorly ever. Even when the Flyers were dead last in 06-07, I don't think it was this bad. I mean, Dylan Larkin has the most points with 37, and he has 13 goals. Tyler Bertuzzi has the most goals on the team with 17. So, I mean, nobody can score. There's just not enough points. They're kind of young up front, but... I'm seeing, I saw Trevor Daly back there. I'm like, man, that guy's still playing. Like, Trevor Daly's been around a long time. He's 36 years old, and he's a minus 15 on the season. But uh, I had to think that for Detroit, although we're a Flyers podcast, Detroit's going to be making some changes this offseason. Jeff Blasio, their head coach, won't be back next year. It's a shame for him. He's a good coach, he's gotten them to do decent things since Mike Babcock left, but uh, eh, not good
1: enough. And on the opposite end, since we, as you alluded to, we are a Flyers podcast the good thing is the flyers it's a weird situation i don't know how you're looking at it but or how you're interpreting it but it feels like despite the goals like they're top in off they're one of the top teams in offensive production they're on the better half of this year It just feels like something is missing with this team, despite they just had six goals against Colorado this week and the win against them, three goals against Pittsburgh and and Detroit, but one of them, both of them resulted in points, obviously the overtime loss against the Pittsburgh Penguins. It just feels like this offensive team, this team is missing something offensively. And it's weird to describe because of them scoring goals, but it just feels like it's a lack of I, I guess consistency, just like I'm trying to find the wording, but I it, like it. Just seems like they need something of a jump, and they get possibly might be getting that in the coming weeks.
0: I don't know. I, listen, they've had 12 goals in their last three games. I don't think it's anything that their offense isn't there. It's not flashy. If you want to really yeah. be honest with you, it's not a flashy offense. They're they're a strict north south team. They're not going to do anything to overly impress you, but they're gonna they're gonna grind you out. They're gonna grind out games. When they have opportunities, they're going to score. Kevin Hayes has got 4 shorthanded goals. He's had what he had two the other night, I believe. Uh, he had two in two games, one against Detroit and one against Colorado. I mean, so they're they're contributing offensively when they take the opportunity to do so. They're 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 consistent in the way that they forecheck. They're really get they they're not if they get down a little bit and they get pinned a little bit early, they're able to battle back. I mean, let's be honest here. They were down against Pittsburgh. Uh, they were. They they were I don't believe they were, they're down to Colorado at any point, but you know, going back to that Pittsburgh game earlier this week, they were down three to one in that game. People don't forget that they forget they're down three to one, and then your boy Tyler Pitlick scored, and yeah. then it kind of opened things up. Scott Lawton scored a goal. It you know they they are getting offense from guys who normally don't contribute offensively. I've seen Tyler Pitlick this week, and he has been one of the best players on the ice. Him and Scott Lawton have something going there. And they're not going to light up the scoreboard every single night, but they they look like they're starting to gel and starting to play very, very well. There was one play against uh, Detroit the other night where Scott Lawton skated across the blue line and he stopped. And Tyler Pitlick just went straight for the net. And he had this float pass that just hung up there forever. And it came down right on his stick and he got a piece of it. He couldn't shoot it. He had to deflect it. Bernier stopped it, but still I'm thinking... That's offensive creativity from your from your bottom six that you need because come playoff time, those types of chances are most of the time the ones that go in the net. So let's not get ahead of ourselves and talk about playoffs, but the point is, is that you're it's not flashy because everybody is doing a little. The Flyers don't have a big breakout star like Ovechkin or Crosby or McDavid. They don't have those guys. They have Giroux. But Giroux is never going to be in that tier, regardless of how well and how many goals and he, points he's had since 2012. The whole idea, is, though, is that I can see your point because there's no flash. But this is Philadelphia. This is a blue-collar city. You don't need flash. You go and you get the job done. You go home at the end of the day. and And this team epitomizes that.
1: Yeah, and I just looked it up because I was curious. Like, there's no a couple of years ago there was a flurry of twenty goal scores between when Simmons was on the team, Claude obviously, Voracek, all those guys. There's no one on this 2019-2020 team that has crossed twenty goals yet. Kevin Hayes and Travis Konechny lead the team with seventeen. But if, if as you were alluded to, it's so spread out and non flashy that it feels like the offensive the offensive production is just not there, and. In the long term, and it's something that has been consistent with this team, and I think that's what has, like they, we've talked about it, they haven't won a playoff series since 2012. Um, I think the problem is that, like, one of the hindrances of that is because they don't have that consistent 35 to 40 goals, goal scorer a year. I don't think they've ever gotten that. We're entering the twilight of Claude Giroux's career when he was in his prime, I think people started to mislabel him as that and that's what they expected of him mis- and that was a mistake and you put these expectations on. Now I think what people are looking for is who's that going to be. I think Travis Konecki comes to mind on who that could be, but I think the one guy that could possibly do it and he hasn't entered this season, he, uh, entered this season yet, we had some good news about it today and that's Nolan Patrick. Nolan Patrick, what we saw him in what was called a skills day of practice uh so he was in a non-contact jersey but at the same time it didn't matter because he wasn't going to be in contact anyway I think this team needs Nolan Patrick more than we are lending on to if they can't make a trade they need Nolan Patrick
0: to counter your point here's the thing I wouldn't focus on too much of having one guy who does all the work
1: but you saw it work in, in, in Washington with Ovechkin. I mean, yes, they changed up how their offense was... Like, I think that was his... in I, Off the top of my head, when the Caps won the Cup, I think that was, in terms of his career, his lowest point production per game and total of his entire career. Because, But he was still the leading scorer of that team by a pretty significant margin. So I think that there, there has to be a give and take on what we expect. Because... You need that guy that when you're down by one and there's 10 minutes left in the third, that is the guy that you know will be able to put the puck in the net on a consistent basis. I don't think there's anyone on this team that can do that right now.
0: I don't think you need that guy. I think that the whole team contributes that. That was my point of saying that Scott Lawton and Tyler Pitlick are starting to have some chemistry there. When it comes to playoff time, it does not matter who your top players are because if you look back in history – the guys who are basically the focal point. How many years did Alex Ovechkin shut down in the playoffs before they, they actually did something? It took him over a decade. Yeah, from decade. his rookie year. Yeah, it took, it, took rookie year. yeah it, it took a lot of time. It took him to get a team around him for other guys to contribute. So when you're looking at this and you want to use Ovechkin as an example, okay? Ovechkin's not even leading the Capitals in points this year. It's not. It's John Carlson, their fenceman. He's got 14 goals and 51 assists. So Ovechkin's a goal scorer, not going to get you assists. He's not. He's not the guy who's going to be distributing the puck. He's going to be the guy shooting the puck, which is great. The object of the game is to score goals. But also, what's more important is the distribution and making sure guys are getting the puck on their stick and getting it off and finding the open man, which is why John Carlson has 51 assists this season. Absurd amount of assists through 54 games played. So it's basically an assist per game for him. You can't use the, oh, the Flyers don't have the one guy to be able to do everything and now that, because I look down and look at their assist pattern, and Sean Kateri leads the team with 46 points. He's got 33 assists. Travis Konechny has 44 points. 27 of them are assists.
1: Jake. I was going to say, you almost forgot your boy. Listen,
0: listen, Jake's been playing hot lately, and, and apparently you can't clap at him because apparently he knows that people are chirping at him on Twitter. He even said this week, is that he played well in the defensive zone, had two assists in one game, and he goes anything else? <laughs> Hilarious, but he he could it's okay for him to clap back now. Some of that stuff was warranted back there for him, but even him, he's only got 11 goals, but he has 29 assists, so he's got 40 points in the year. And this is the most amazing thing for Jake. Jake's a plus 12. So when I look at things like that, Claude Giroux, 35 points, he's got 22 assists. Kevin Hayes. 32 points, he's got 15 assists. So half of his points are assists. There are guys on this team out of the top 10 Flyer scores, okay? The top 10 on the team in scoring. Every single one of them except one is in double digits in assists. And who's the only
1: one who's not? Oscar Lindblom. And he's still ninth in scoring on the team. Well, that's a sa- that point. If Oscar Lindblom is ninth in the team in points still, that's not a good sign in my eyes. By
0: like is right behind him. The rest of the guys are defensemen.
1: So think of that in perspective. Not Scott Lawton. Scott Lawton's not a defenseman. Michael Raffle's not a defenseman.
0: He's 12th in the team on scoring. Michael Raffle was injured for two months, basically. So, I Right, you know, but still, you you you're making the point that we they you know hell, they don't have one guy that to go to. I see complete puck distribution right here. A guys moving the puck around, and the biggest complaint that I've seen out of this team the past few years is that they were not moving the puck well enough. Now they're doing it, so everybody's chipping in on it. So I I, I think your your point is invalid. That you can't have this. Oh, we don't have the the Flyers don't have this one guy who can who can you can count on the score it. No, but I would tell you what, when it comes to a seven-game series, you're damn right I want a guy in the third or fourth line being sure he can get some points on the board because they're the types of players that are going to score goals late in games in the playoffs. Michael Raffles one of those types of guys. Tyler Pitlick, Scott Lawton, Joel Faraby. Those are the guys that you need to really come through and produce in the playoffs to get some points on the board because every team is going to be in lockdown on Couturier, Konechny, Voracek, Giroux, Hayes, JVR, they're all going to be on lockdown. So the fact that this team actually has a lot of distribution where 17 players on this team are in double digits and points, I will take that.
1: I think this team is, like, right now at the time of this, they are in second place for the wildcard position. They're in the second wildcard position. They'll play the Washington Capitals, which they played, I think that was the team they played the last time they were in the playoffs, obviously, and they lost. Because they eventually, that was the eventual cup-winning team in the Capitals, For them to have a chance, I think they need to play one of three teams. And that does not include the Washington Capitals. If they have to play the Washington Capitals, we're going to be talking about the exact same thing we've talked about for the last near decade. They have not won a series since 2012. They're not going to beat the Capitals in my eyes. Despite their success not only at home, but against these top-tier teams, the playoffs are just different. I think the teams that they have a real success at are Pittsburgh, Columbus, and Boston. If they can get Boston in that as a top wild card spot, they would play Boston because I think Washington is going to be ending up as that one seed, quote unquote, whatever whatever it is at this point with the seeding of how the playoffs are. Boston is their best shot in, in terms of uh, if they have to pl- be a wild card team. They should be they need to be aiming for that 3 3 spot in the metro, 2 spot if they're get really lucky on a hot streak. I don't see that happening though. But 3 or the top wild card spot is where they need to be and they need that through offensive production they need nolan patrick or they need to make a trade is my point
0: okay so i agree they might need to make a trade i think this team could use a little more offensive punch okay does that make you
1: happy of course it does every time you can agree with me makes me happy
0: (laughs) i think that yes if there's a move to be made that's the case okay the question is now all right ghost is still out he'll probably be coming back soon do you, you're, it's your really only tradable asset. You don't have anybody else that you can really move at this point. Do you, do you trade Ghost or maybe even possibly JVR and go pick up like a Ryan Nugent Hopkins if they're trying to deal him or something? I don't know if they're going to want another type of Milan Lucic or James Neal type player Edmonton, but RNH is going to be a free agent at the end of the season. Could give a little more leeway in the in the center position because he can also play center in the wing. Um, maybe there's a move there. I don't know. I I I don't know at this point there they've been pretty mum on everything so far and we're still a few weeks away from the trade deadline
1: and the other thing is and to to that point there hasn't been movement at all
0: no you yeah. haven't really seen so many trades this season so far and it's it's odd usually leading about a month up to the deadline you'll see some teams start to make some trades just to kind of make some moves you've seen one or two you seen Marco Scandella get traded um you've seen Ilya Kovalchuk get bought out and then go sign with Montreal You've seen a couple minor things, but you haven't seen the, the big one yet. I think the teams are starting to get a little more hesitant at making big deals for rental players at the deadlines. I think a lot of teams are holding out on that, um, which is smart on their part because they're starting to see the value in the draft. Um, we can go into a whole other concept of how bad that is for the league, actually. And we can also go into the concept, going back to your playoff conversation, about how you know the Flyers need to get in the second or third because that way you have to get out of your division before you can play anybody in the Atlantic. So they wouldn't play anybody in the Atlantic division until the third round, unless they're a wild card team. Right. the the whole The whole point is that I'm trying to make is that there there's a lot of intangibles like, that go on here. So I mean, it, right now this team has to look at okay, if if they're going to get into the playoffs right now, and, and at the end season's end, and they're going to probably play somebody from their division, they need to be built to be able to take on teams from their division first. So are you really willing to jeopardize because you, you've beaten Washington once and it was a back-and-forth game, but, but you beat him and you mm-hmm. lost the close one to him in overtime in a shootout. And you, there are no shootouts in the playoffs. So are the Flyers comfortable taking the roster they have now and going into the playoffs against the Capitals like that? I, I mean, I would say yes. I think they would be comfortable with that because they played them close enough and in a seven-game series. Pittsburgh's the same thing. You, you lost the close one. You got blown out earlier in the season.
1: And that one—that blowout doesn't matter anymore at this point.
0: You're right. It doesn't. But I'm saying in the last couple of games, now that you're into the season, you, you, you beat them pretty handily and shut them out, and then you lost a close one. So you could play them. Columbus, I don't know. I, I think Columbus could give them trouble because Columbus has always given them trouble. The Islanders, I think, would give them a lot of trouble because they, they've struggled against the Islanders this year, but the Islanders aren't playing that well. Carolina, they've beaten Carolina, but – Yet again, if Carolina starts to get a little hot, Carolina could take this team. So you have to look at it from that perspective of, okay, do they need to make a move, or are they competitive enough in their division to be able to, to, to get out of a round or two and then see what happens against teams, maybe against the Atlantic? If they end up as the wild card two and play Boston, I'm telling you, and I agree with you, I think they could beat Boston in the first round. I yeah, really they, think they could because Boston, I think, is worn out and they're not as hot as they used to be. And I think that going from that that Stanley Cup run last year, where they lost in Game Seven, I think that could be a detriment to them. So I'm in agreement that you know they could beat that, but again, we're we're in February talking about something that's not going to happen for two months from now.
1: That's true, but at the same time, over the Pittsburgh game, we the first note that we both made. I think I texted you, or it, maybe I just saw it on our Twitter feed. The immediate thing that we saw, because it was the first game since the All-Star break and we're down to now 30 games or less, tight checking is going to become the name of the game, especially against these fellow playoff teams or playoff contenders. Yes, Colorado is in the playoff spot in the Central Division, but when you play teams against like crappy Detroit that has absolutely no shot tomorrow night against the devils that have absolutely no shot at making the playoffs. You play a little looser. You need to see these tight checking games against these fellow playoff games. And we've already seen that against two of them with Pittsburgh and Colorado. So the more that we see this, it's going to help them.
0: I don't think it's so much about playing the top teams that are in the playoffs too, because don't forget, even when you're in conference, those points are just as important to the other teams on the West. They're a a little more wide open. I would say when they play Western conference teams, for some reason, I don't know why, it seems that I think the West is a little more based on speed and the East is a little more about grinding it out. Um, and then from there, it's like a crapshoot. So, but the thing is, you're right. Like Let's look at Detroit the other night. I mean, it took them a period and a half to score against Detroit. Whatever it is, again, the bottom teams, they just they, they can't play that level. Whatever it's a mental thing or whatnot, they have to get over that. Now, they picked up two points there. They, they, they shut them out. And rightfully so. I mean, when you're the worst team in the league, you should beat them handily if you're in a playoff spot. But then you start getting the mix of these other playoff teams or every point is going to be crucial. I mean, th- seriously, Carolina is sixth in the division, and they are two points out of a playoff spot. That's how tight this is. So th- there's going to be a lot of tight checking, a lot of playoff-style hockey coming up over the next month. And everybody says this is the doldrums of the season. But I haven't seen it this competitive in years in a division. Anyway, uh, it's it's interesting. It really is interesting this year.
1: It's in, it's absolutely crazy. Jim Jackson of obviously NBC Sports Philly pointed out. I think it was during the Detroit uh, or the Colorado game. Like the Metro is by far the best division in sport in, in NHL in the NHL right now, and it's crazy because as you said. The Carolina's still in it. Even the Rangers are still in it. They're at 54 points. They could get on a run here, and all of a sudden, they're right back in it. Like, I know that he's in, just like Claude Giroux, he's in the twilight of his career. King Henry is still one of the top goalies in this league and could lead them to something at any time, despite his, like, he's not getting as much ice time as he used to, but there's, there's something about... Henrik Lundqvist that always baffles me what he's able to do on the ice whenever like just at the flip of a switch.
0: Ah, and you're going to find that out when we release the goaltending chalk talk because he plays what's called a blocking style. It's a butterfly, plays more of a block, but we'll I'll explain that when we release that. But you're right. I mean, look, King Henrik's stats are not that good this year. And you're talking about Hank, his his goals against average is over 3. I've never seen that for Hank before. Alexander Gorgiev is understudy. He's actually at a 3.12. Lundqvist is at a 3.13. Save percentage for Lundqvist, 907. Save percentage for Gorgiev, 909. I think Gorgiev is hurt right now, so they have Igor Shekerstein up there. I think that's how you spell it. Or Yeah, whatever. I don't even know how they say these names anymore. He's actually 3-1 so far, but you, you, sometimes goalies get hot when they come in and then they start to cool off. To go back to your point about Lundqvist, he's not having the great year, but you're absolutely right. He could go on a run. The whole team could go on a run. If you remember back in 2010, the Rangers were pretty much out of it, and then in the last 10 games of the season, they won nine of them uh, pretty much and got back into the playoff spot where it took the 82nd game for it to mean something. And, I, and you know, things could change like that, and I agree that the Metropolitan is so competitive this year that you're going to have teams that are really high in points, probably closing in on 100 points that are not going to make the playoffs. That's another conversation for another day because they don't seed anymore. But we'll have to cross that bridge when we see what happens at the playoffs. Because if this were the old system where there was, you know, you do the one through eights, and you have each, when they had three divisions, each division winner would get a playoff spot, and then the rest of the five positions would be up for grabs. If that were still the case, or even just awarded the top two, all the rest of the teams would come from the Metro because Toronto is in fourth place in the Atlantic and they have 63 points. The fourth place team in the Metro is 66, and that's the Islanders, and they're in their first wild card. So Toronto although they're in fourth place in the Atlantic, wouldn't even get into the playoffs as they started today. So there's a lot of a lot of really good competition, a lot of a lot parity in the league where teams are all on the same level. And while the league wants this and it makes it exciting and it makes people want to watch especially, but the thing is, though, if your team's out of it already, it all, it's, it's bad. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch down the stretch. That's for sure.
1: And that's going to start right tomorrow with the Flyers against the Devils, which is a a case of a team that's completely out of it already. They're not going to make the playoffs and the Flyers who are in the hunt and just like Detroit they need to, like these are games that they cannot sit back on at the end of the day, by game 82 but on the day that they play the Sabres in Buffalo in April, they're going to look back at these games, the Detroits the Devils, that are easy 2-point wins in regulation. Well, I guess it doesn't matter if it's regulation or not. They just as long as they get 2 points, if they don't bag these points, this is going to be why they are out of the playoffs. Because this week is not easy. Tomorrow they have the Devils. Then they go in Washington, then after Washington they come home to play the Panthers who are also jockeying for a, for a playoff spot. It's a it's a tough stretch for here. This might be dubbed the put up or shut up week because of the competition that they're going to be facing.
0: Without a doubt, it is. There's there's no question in either of our minds, and it shouldn't be a question in any fan's mind, that this week, okay, let's take a look over the next block of the schedule here. Over the next 12 days, they have seven games. All of them, except one, are currently in a playoff spot, and that's the Devils. So after they play the Devils, they're playing six straight, sorry, seven straight, Against playoff teams because they go back and they have to play Washington in Washington. Okay, they they're, they Carter Hart hasn't been that great on the road. He'll probably be coming back this week. You want Brian Elliott playing against the Washington Capitals? I don't care if he has two shutouts in three games. He's not good laterally. That's going to be a tough matchup for him. Then you got to go play Florida, and Florida. What happens in Florida? Who's in Florida right now? Who who, who plays in Florida? Bill Bobrovsky. Yes. Flyers have only and Bobrovsky once or twice, as we talked about earlier this season. So they got to go try and solve Sergei Bobrovsky. Then they got to come back and play the Islanders, who they lost both games to this season. Then they got to play Florida again against Bobrovsky one more time. And then they got to go play Tampa. Tampa, who is one of the hottest teams in the league, who's won 16 out of the last 19 at the time of this recording. So and then on the 18th of February, you come back home to play Columbus on a back I'm sorry in a home and home with them. So that's a four-point swing right there in your division. So this this upcoming 2 weeks of hockey is huge. I mean, this is really the test for the Flyers to say, "Okay, are you ready to be playoff contenders or are you you just not ready yet?" So this team has a lot a lot of pressure on it to be able to make sure they get through these this next 2 weeks and get points out of it. Cuz out of a possible I would say, even count that Columbus game on the 20th. If you count that, that's eight games, 16 points available. You need to come away with a minimum of 12. A minimum. Yeah. a min- To gain space and get, get into that race even further, you have to come away with 12 points. If you go 500, guess what? Teams are going to be nipping at your heels. A team like Carolina could get hot and overtake you. Yeah. And these are teams that you could wind up playing in the playoffs. I mean, Florida and Tampa, because they're in Atlantic would be later rounds. But even so, if they hop up and you're in the wild card, you have a shot to play them as well. But Columbus, the Islanders, the Capitals, those are all teams you could be facing in April. So they really need to pick up those points and pick them up at a good pace. They might drop one here or there. I mean, let's look at this guy. I mean, these are tough teams. You can't be mad at them if they drop a game or two here. They might they might do something silly where they beat Washington, they beat the Islanders, and drop both to Florida for some whatever reason because of Obrowski. You never know. But th- that's the thing. They, they have to pick up points here.
1: To that point, like I said earlier, they need to be jockeying for that third spot in the Metropolitan, I think. I think if they really want to have a successful first-round playoff shot, because I think that's the goal. I think we talked about it in our preseason pod. They need to win a playoff series. It's been too long. I get that AV is in his first year. But the pieces of this team haven't changed really over the course of the last... Like, the core is the same. It's Drew. It's Voracek. You can kind of throw in JVR. Obviously, he's the late, late most recent uh, addition to the team. Like these guys like the connectings of the world, Nolan Patrick obviously is not part of it yet. They are they are the second core. When 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 Claude Giroux eventually retires, these guys so when you when you talk about trying to get a playoff win, you're talking about it since the core has been the same since they last won in twenty twelve. So they need to get into that third spot. And you play Columbus, as you said, in a home-on-home up this coming week. You have uh, the Florida Panthers. Or excuse me, you have the New York Islanders this week. Like, these are all teams that you are within two points of for that either you're in one point out for the top wildcard spot in, in in New York Islanders. You're two points out of that third spot. You can lose to Florida, and it won't be detrimental. That's what I'm saying. Like, you have to beat these Metropolitan Division games, and it's under that magnifying glass even more so. And that's exactly what you want. We want this pressure. This is the team that should be welcoming this pressure to see what they really have. AV has pulled something out of this team that Dave Hackstall and, and Peter Laviolette at the end of his tenure couldn't pull out. Obviously, some changes. But again, to my point, the cores were made the same. So the, he AV is getting something out of this that we haven't seen since 2012 2011 2010 that was Peter Laviolette's go-to teams so for us to really say that that they have a successful season they need to get either not just a playoff win but I would I need them to be top three in the in the metro division that's I think I'm adjusting a little bit on my goals for this team
0: Uh, don't, don't waver on them. The thing is they got to get in. That's number one. You're, you're right. It would be great to see them get in the top three. You don't want them to go all out and try to get that third place in the Metro because you're still going to have to play Pittsburgh or Washington anyway. And either one is a really tough first round to your point though. I'm glad you brought up Giroud because there is something I want to say about that. The core really hasn't changed. It's still really, when you think about it, still technically JVR, he's back JBR, Voracek, and you have Giroux. The thing is, is that I think that if if I'm Claude Giroux, which I'm not, (laughs) definitely not, not even close. But if you're looking at it from Giroud's perspective, and you're looking at it from a fan perspective... And you're Claude Giroux, and, and you're thinking this is a fan. How are you going to remember Claude Giroux? You're going to remember him of years of mediocrity. That's how you're going to remember him. You're not going yeah. to remember anything else. If you're a coaching perspective, you can see that Claude is very, very is a great talent. He's a fantastic player. He's easily one of the best players of this generation. Believe it or not. The thing is, though, is that. It's things that happened earlier in his career which have gotten to this point why he hasn't done anything. They, you know, back in the day, back, you know, when JVR, when they traded JVR for for Luke Shen, they didn't have anybody to replace that left wing. So it was just Giroux and Voracek, And let's put in Michael Raffle to so Michael Raffle can score 20 goals. Oh, he scored 20 goals. He's great. Let's keep him there. And then you realize, okay, anybody can score 20 goals playing with Claude Giroux. The point I'm trying to make is that this isn't a year where just getting in the playoffs. And, and winning a round should be acceptable. Any team, any coach, any player will tell you the goal of being a professional hockey player is to win a Stanley Cup. That team in that locker room, they think they can win a Stanley Cup. From a coaching perspective, watching this team, do I believe that they can win a Stanley Cup? I would say it's possible. But things would have to fall in the right way. They have to keep... Carter Hart would have to play well. The goaltending would have to play well. They'd have to have really strong defense, and again, like you talked about, they'd have to get contribution from rolling four lines, and other guys in the bottom six would have to score. The goal shouldn't be just from winning a playoff round. This team is actually, believe it or not, they are capable of winning a Stanley Cup. Now, is the likelihood of that? It'd be tough, because you do have too much competition in your division. Washington is a better team overall. Pittsburgh is a better team overall when healthy. Let's keep that in key. When healthy, Columbus, I think Columbus is playing above their expectations right now. But they've got a really good coach in John Tortorella. The Islanders, they're not playing that great, but they have a very strong team. They have good goaltending and a great coach in Barry Trotz. Carolina has a lot of skill in that team and a very good coach in Rod Brendamore. So you're talking about all these different things you got to go through. Tampa is the hottest team in the league right now by far. They could run home with this thing. You'd have to probably play them in the playoffs. So all the all the cards would have to fall and all the chips would have to fall and the, and the right place for it to happen. But the thing is, is that this is anything for this season, for Claude Giroux's perspective, is that if they don't make some sort of run, he'll only be remembered for scoring the game winner in – 2010 in Game 3 and the fight for Sidney Crosby. Because other than that, those are the peak moments of his career. He hasn't had that moment yet to be not mediocre because of the team that's been around him. So, in your point with that, this is the time for Giroux to really be, okay, if you're really going to be a legendary captain in this city, where people are going to remember you, the way they remember Bobby Clark and the way they remember Eric Lindros then you've got to do something this year not next year not the year after that you got to do something now to put your legacy moment in there
1: yeah and he's on a 12 game goal drought so it's not looking good
0: no it, look don't look at how many goals he has now and things like that you, you don't want to get hot at the wrong time you don't You flat out don't. If he starts picking it up near playoff time and leads the team in there, then there you go. Keith Primo did that in 03-04, and he ran that team almost to the Stanley Cup final. You know, you got to get hot at the right time. So don't look at what he's doing now in the middle of February. While it's important, at the same time, you don't need him to be the guy right now. The fact that your bottom six is scoring, Tyler Pitlick's doing things, Scott Lawton's doing things. You want him to do it in these months? So that way, hopefully come playoff time, he's really the guy who's really going to stand up and lead
1: this team. I think I think your word of mediocrity for Claude Giroux is the wrong one. I think it's just disappointment. I think if you look at his his career, he had the playoff runs between 09 and 12 and then like nothing since then. Like I I think it would just be untapped potential. Like what you could have gotten out of Giroux was never fully tapped from what you could have gotten from him.
0: I don't think it's anything they didn't get out of Giroux. I think it's more or less they didn't surround him with the right pieces to be able to make him succeed. Again, it takes takes eighteen. I'm sorry, it takes twenty players to win a Stanley Cup, not one. So mm-hmm. it, it's more or less the the failings of the organization not to put the right pieces in place until now. Now they've got a great future ahead of them. Hextall set them up for that. Fletcher realizes the potential of this window for this team isn't probably as big as people think it is. So I think, I think there might be something here where they have to get in that mentality of it's this year. It's not next year. They think before it's, Oh, we're looking at the future. We're going to rebuild. We're going to rebuild. Well, no, the rebuild's done. Like, look what you have oh, is yeah. what you have.
1: I actually, to that point, I think like we talked about earlier and this will be my last point of the night. I think the potential of them trading a, a, a Goss or a Voracek in the middle of the season diminishes more and more as they become more successful in terms of their their place in the standings. I'm talking about like if they were towards the bottom of the of the of the of the standings and didn't have a successful year, I think you had a better chance of Voracek being traded in the middle of this season. I think these the ghost trade and the Voracek trade that could be happening are off season trades. I think the, if they're going to try and make a move to get. Either a a scoring piece on the bottom six, some sort of piece in the top six. It's either going to be for a substantial amount of draft picks, or they're just going to stand put and see what happens out of this. Especially with the potential future, or the status of Nolan Patrick for this season.
0: Yeah, and I think you'll start to see some more things pop up over the next week or two, Um, but... Again, you have to look at the market out there and see really the best two players are available are probably Ryan Nugent Hopkins and 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 um, J.P. Peugeot from from Ottawa. Um, Pajot had a really good playoff a couple seasons ago, so he might be a guy you might want to take on a run with you. But yet again, too, I mean, is, is it worth giving up the draft picks for? I think teams are starting to question that. I think the Flyers are still questioning that. Do the Flyers have enough in the cupboard where they feel comfortable giving away a draft pick while it would probably be in the 20s still giving away a top draft pick for a guy who may not even resign because you're already up against it in the cap. Take it from that perspective, you know, could they add more? Yes, but it really comes down to what really – where's the real hole at right now? We, we can talk about things like that, but yeah, think about that this week when you watch a team. Where, what, do, what do you see missing? I, I don't see too many major holes in this team right now. You got great performance out of your backup goaltender. Your defense is playing solid. Your offense is really spreading the puck around and everybody's scoring goals. Do you really want to mess with that chemistry? I think maybe that'd be the question Fletcher might be asking right
1: now. That is a good question because, like I said, with the a couple years ago when they traded for Christopher Stieg and it completely ruined that chemistry a couple years back, and it, they stumbled into the playoffs. And I'm pretty sure that was a first round exit for that team. So that's a good point. I just I, something tells me that this team needs one more offensive piece, whether that's Nolan Patrick or an outside trade is up to be determined because you don't know if Nolan Patrick is, because he's going to start in Lehigh. I don't think, I, like, he's, for how long he's been out, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets at least one or two games in Lehigh just to see where he is. Uh, like, And that's just assuming he's even going to play. Despite him being part of this, quote-unquote, skills day, as A.V. put it, that doesn't mean anything in terms of if he's going to play until we're told Nolan Patrick is back. And Nolan Patrick coming back, it would be, like, I don't know how I would measure it other than mountainous for this team's confidence in terms of getting goal production and offensive production.
0: Well, that's, that's a lot of weight to put on a kid who hasn't produced so much too far. And that's a lot of weight to put on a kid who hasn't produced all that much thus far in his career. And also, he's going to need some time to get back into it. So, I don't know. I, I, if they're going to make a move, they have to look at the Patrick situation if they feel that nolan's not going to be ready then they got to make a move they bring more offense that's what's going to have to be but i think that putting a lot of pressure on that kid to come in and say hey you're back come be the savior and do points and do the hockey thing for us that's a lot of pressure to put on a kid who's just coming back from a migraine disorder i i i think that that might not be the best fit for this team emotionally it might help but i think from a from a coaching standpoint and watching it from that perspective, it, it, I don't think it's as, as great of a thing as people think it is.
1: It's it's certainly going to be – it's not easy for Fletcher and it's going to be interesting how he navigates these waters. So before we wrap up, we're going to be taking not a short break but just how these schedules line up. We want to talk about the, the as much hockey as possible. With how this schedule is going to go, we're probably not going to be coming back with another episode – until the 17th of this month the week is just insane next week Devils, Capitals Florida, New York then Florida again Tampa and Columbus before we even get our next podcast out it's a crazy schedule and like we said earlier it is the put up or shut up week for the Philadelphia Flyers this is going to be a really interesting test for first year head coach a- Al- Al- Alain Vigneault Claude Giroux has got to step up everyone, everyone needs to step into that next gear. That's really what we're coming up to. It's going to be very interesting. So we'll be back on the seventeenth of this month. Uh, you said twelve points, or is that your was that not your prediction?
0: Oh, uh, they have sixteen available up until the next podcast. Um, actually, I'm sorry. Technically, fourteen. We won't count the game on the twenty second. I say out of this next stretch, they've got to get twelve. I'm okay if they drop a game or two. They got to get a minimum of twelve points at face.
1: I'm leaning towards ten. Maybe 11. I think I think that math works out, but it's it's got to be a very successful week for this team. This is where the old saying of the regular season doesn't matter goes completely out the window. Enjoy the hockey. We'll talk to you back on the 17th. Follow us on Facebook. Like us on on Twitter. Follow us along for everything we do live game interview or live game uh, postings. For Scott Weinhardt, I'm Bill Cornfeld. Talk to you on the 17th.
0: Ready, spring.
1: I'm not
0: going to